Stones of Strength podcast, an audio platform upon which we will endeavor to centralize and showcase stories and information related to the lifting of historical and non-historical stones and the ongoing development and re-emergence of stone lifting culture. Well, we made it. Episode two. Yeah, and we I think it's only fair to start this second episode by thanking everybody for the feedback we got from the first episode. Uh, it's When we had the idea for this podcast, we figured... You know, it didn't matter to us how many people listen to this. We know it's not a massive community yet, and we're, we're hoping to do our part in building it, but we didn't care if it was 10, 20, 30 people, 100 people. As long as those 100 people that listened were really, really into it. And that seems to be the feedback. So we just want to thank everybody who not only listened to it, but who reached out and and sent us a message or commented on a post and and just got involved in this because like Dale had said at the end of the last episode, this is our podcast. This is the Stone Lifting Community's podcast. So thank you to everyone who is listening and has been involved in the process so far. Yeah, it's been really, really amazing to get the feedback from the community. We've had people reach out from all the corners of the world. I mean, just sort of looking at the analytics from the podcast aggregator that we've been using. I mean, we've had people tune in from Canada, the US, the UK, Sweden, Australia, Germany, the Philippines, Romania, Portugal, Finland, and New Zealand. And that doesn't even include the people who have uh, tuned in over YouTube. And it's just, yeah, people have been reaching out. They've been saying they've been excited about the show. They've been excited about stone lifting. People who have been saying that they want to get, um, you know, a group of people together to start stone lifting in their communities. It's just, yeah, it's, it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty incredible. So thank you to everybody who's taken the time to listen to the show, share it, tell people about it, because um, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, speaking of the stone lifting community, uh, a couple of shout-outs in Scotland. Um, a round of new Dini lifters has come through, so a uh, special congratulations to a friend, Josh Goldthorpe, who just lifted the Dini stones. Uh, he lifted it once, and then his second time, I believe, he held it. No hook grip, no sleeves, no belt, no nothing for 16 seconds. So shout-out to him, and also to everybody that participated in the McGregor Stone Lifting Games. Uh, I believe that was organized by Jamie Gorian. I'm just getting this information from what I've seen on Instagram, and it looks like an incredible, incredible day. There's just tons and tons of lifters there, and I mean, that's that's kind of the epitome of what all this is. There's the history, there's the stones, there's the community, and it's really, really cool to see. And I mean, yeah, Andy Crawford, just a shout out to Andy Crawford, who just shouldered the Ardverland, which is an incredible feat of strength. So for people who don't know, that is a 335-pound smooth granite egg and he put it to his shoulder and is one of maybe 10 people in history that has done so we've seen videos of elite world-class level strong men who have not been able to do that so congratulations that is incredible yeah i might and if i'm wrong please somebody correct me and i i will start the next episode with uh, this correction but i think he is the first or one of the first non-professional strongmen actually to shoulder that so Huge, huge shout out to him. Yeah. So, Dave, yeah, let everyone know what, you, what you've been up to in the past couple weeks uh, since our last episode with respect to stone lifting, the Edmonton Stones of Strength. I mean, finally, the snow cover has removed itself from our presence. Unfortunately, we've gotten a healthy dose of smoke from local forest fires, but um, we're out. Uh, we're back at the, the Granite Garden, and uh, you've been very active there. Yeah, the snow is gone and it's time for us to get at it here. Uh, our Canadian summers are pretty short, but we I've been in the bush um, trying to dig up some more stones, which sounds very strange to anyone not involved in this, but <laughs> uh, anyone that is, I can understand, and constantly trying to, to push what we have here, find 
bigger, better, cooler challenges for us. Um, I've just, I found Wade and with the help of David Cohen from Ireland, uh, we've, we've put a new stone out there. It's called the Agaly Stone. And there's actually a story that goes with it. It's, it's really quite cool. David was on a podcast recently with a gentleman. I believe it's a friend of his from the Irish Folklore Society. Now, in Ireland, from my understanding, in 1927, the Irish government sent all school kids home with uh, a book. And, and their job, these students, was to talk to their parents, grandparents, if they were around the great-grandparents, great, the great grandparents, pardon me, and to record all of the Irish folklore that they possibly could to build the database. Now, this gentleman from the Irish Folklore Society had just translated a story from Gaelic before David went on, and um, I won't go into the whole story, but the point is, is two gentlemen, instead of uh, beating each other up with sticks, went down to the local testing stone, and it said that if you could lift this stone or this block to your lap, you were a good man, but if you could lift this stone to your shoulder, you were far a gaily, far meaning like, and then a gaily basically mean... It's it's an interesting concept, and it means akin to a beast, barely mm-hmm. human. And David had very, very kindly reached out to a friend of his from the um, University College of Dublin, who is an expert in this stuff. And Gaeli means, yeah, essentially uh, a berserker, barely a man, a beast. And based on that history from that story, if you could lift a certain stone... T- a particular stone to your shoulder, you were akin to a beast, a berserker. So the stone that uh, I found in weight is, I've got two readings, 377 pounds and 380 pounds. We'll get a third weighing just for specific accuracy. But this is a beautiful stone. And if you can get it to your shoulder, then, you know, th- this you're is... You're a beast. You're yeah, a beast. You're you've, a beast. You've, you've earned this title of gaily. So that's kind of what's been going on with us. So speaking of a beast and berserker, I mean, those two words absolutely epitomize our guest uh but not only is he incredibly strong he's also ferociously passionate about stone lifting he's someone who's traveled the world lifted a plethora of of historical stones and even recovered historical stones that were previously thought to be lost um and for that the stone lifting community owes this man a debt of gratitude he's got a lot of stories to share and we are fortunate enough to have him on the show to share those with us the stone lifting community so everybody please welcome our guest ryan stewart so Ryan Stewart, welcome to the Stones of Strength podcast. Thank you for being our first guest. Thank you, guys. I'm very honored to be your first guest, and I'm glad you guys are doing this. It's going to be a lot of fun, and there'll be a lot of knowledge dropped by a lot of guys worldwide, and it'll be it'll be great. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. And when we when Dale and I were talking about you know doing this podcast, we wanted we knew we wanted to do one episode to kind of put our names out of who we were, why we were interested in doing the podcast, and our history with it, just so people would have an idea of, of our backgrounds. But we wanted to start this podcast with a heavy hitter. And you were the first person that came to mind. Uh, not only your, your knowledge, your, your strength, and your, the amount of research you've done, but just because you've also been a big part of my experience so far in stone lifting. Like for, I'm sure nobody would really know this, but uh, well, Dale and I went to Scotland in September and Ryan helped me prepare for that. We worked together for, I don't remember, maybe is it about a year? Does that sound about right? About a year. Yeah, it was about right. Yeah, about a year working together, which was great. And also your Utah Stones of Strength, which I really hope we can get to this episode, was a huge, huge influence uh, influence for us in Edmonton to start the Edmonton Stones of Strength. It kind of showed us that obviously the historical stones are, are the pinnacle, but we don't, when you're in a place that doesn't have history, you have a chance to make your own moving forward. So 
I thought this would be this would be awesome to have you on. So thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, no, like I said, very honored. Um, I love what you guys are doing, and I'm glad you jumped. You know, Eric Fiorillo, uh, he had his podcast years ago before he died, and and uh, there was some good stuff from time to time on there, but then there was a lot of stuff that just was kind of Eric talking over people and stuff. And <laughs> it kind of got a little brutal. He was a good dude, and he meant well, but I'm glad to see this. Uh, you, you guys do this because uh, we've been needing it for quite a while. Yeah, what we lack in knowledge and, and experience, we'll try and make up in post-production quality. <laughs> <and professionalism. laughs> yeah. so we'll do our best. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, as David said, like, when we were trying to figure out who we wanted sort of top of the list for guests, um, you are someone that I think is a thoroughbred stone lifting enthusiast and probably one of the most prolific stone lifters in the world. And I don't say that from the sense of you know, you lift more stones than everyone else, but the style of stones, right? Like I've seen the videos of you doing um, Basque style lifting now, the more traditional style lifting. Uh, you had the Bavarian style lifting, and then you, you traveled the world. And, and, and so we're really happy to get you on there. <laughs> we were sort of trying to bust through that first episode as quick as possible so we could start getting some interesting voices <laughs> on. So I think we feel that. So we'll, um, we won't. Uh, hold up the conversation any longer we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in and kind of start at the beginning like could you sort of elaborate on what your strength and athletic history is pre-stone lifting sort of how you found your way to it you know um i did powerlifting when i was in my early 20s um that was boring me to death so i moved over to strongman stuff uh i really enjoyed strongman but um I wasn't willing to take the drugs to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, lifetime drug free athlete. And that's kind of where I moved into Highland games for one. It was drug tested, drug free for the most part. And, um, it was kind of a perfect storm of athleticism, uh, strength, power, speed, and I liked the fact that it was so hard. Uh, it, it was such a difficult sport, difficult to learn, difficult to be good at. And that really is what, what drove me to, to jump into the Highland Games. And, and uh, I was a pro for eight years, traveled all over the place, all over the country, uh, Canada, Scotland. Um, yeah, I love it to death, still coach it. Uh, four or five days a week, I'm out there with Highland Gamers out at the park teaching it, and yeah, that was a that was a great part of my life, and I'll never forget it. And I really consider myself a Highland Gamer for life, uh, first and foremost, and then everything else kind of comes second. Um, even though that part of my career is, is over, I uh, retired in 2017. But it was actually that is what led me to the Stones. And, yeah, it was a very hard thing to retire from Highland Games. But transitioning over to the historic Stones and Stones in general really made it a lot easier for me. And because um, I really I don't know what I would do without Highland Games. And I don't know what I would do without Stones in my life. So, yeah. So, so what was the exact moment that you, you mentioned the transition from Highland Games to Stone? So, what did that look like? What was your first uh, your first experience with natural stone lifting or historic stones? So, I was in Scotland throwing in 2015. I went over with Nathan Burchett, 
and uh, we were kind of had a, a day off, which was rare. Uh, we did something like I did seven games in ten or eleven days, and they're full cool. games. It was brutal. But I had a day off and uh, told my buddy and, and my wife, I'm like, hey, uh, the Inverstone is supposedly down the road here in the Denny's too. And, uh, you know, I'd like to kind of give, go give those a shot. I feel like it'd be pretty fun. And so I actually hit the Inverse Stone first. It was the first historic stone I ever lifted. And it's funny because June, she came out of her house and watched and cheered me on. And then I went in and, you know, we kind of had like cookies and tea with her uh, and signed the book. And I was like, man, th this is all really fun and really cool. And then uh, the Denny's were actually still in storage because they were renovating the hotel. And so I knew that they were going to be at the Aboyne Games. They're at the Aboyne Games every year. And so I knew they would be pulled out for one day. So I went to the Aboyne Field the night before, figuring that, you know, something that big, that heavy, you're not going to just drag them in the day of. And uh, so I went out there, and they were still on the back of this big flatbed truck. And I had a guy forklift them off down to the grass there on the Aboyne Field. And I looked at the guy, and I'm like, you know how I'm supposed to do this? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, well, I guess I'll just give this a whirl. And uh, so that was actually the first time lifting the Denny's was there on the grass at a Boyne. And I really, I miss the way the Denny's were done back then a lot. And it's, I feel it's just a different animal now. And what was the difference, Ryan? Sorry to interrupt. There's nothing to warm up on. You just have the two stones and that's it. And that's the way it was at the hotel. Even for a long time, there was no pins to warm up with. No, nothing. You just walk up, pray to God you're strong enough and pull like hell and, that's yeah, the way it was as well. I was there in September yeah. when we went. That's the way that it was as well. There was nothing to warm up on it, so that maybe there was a period in there where they had that stuff. But when we were there um, in September, it was just whatever you know, whatever bands you brought in your your bag, yeah. and you just jumped right into it. So that's definitely a cool way to do it instead of a big love it. I, I feel that's the way it should be, and the way it should be forever. Uh, you know, that's what made it hard was the fact that you just walk up, you have the two stones and whatever you have in your backpack and just got to be strong as hell. And I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And But that, that's what sold me on it all. I was like, oh my God, this was so much fun. And I came home and yeah, I have all these memories of throwing over there and what a great time I had, but it was actually lifting the historic stones that really made my trip. Speaking of of being strong as hell and just and walking up, literally walking up. Had you ever lifted ring stones before going after the Denny stones, which is sort of at, the, that's at the, that's at the peak of the mountain. Yeah, no, never. Um, I, and actually my central nervous system would beat the shit. Um, I, I had thrown already in five games at that point. Um, so I did five games in a row, had a day off and I was torched. And I actually went into the little convenience store next to the uh, <laughs> the field at a Boyne and, and just chugged the biggest Red Bull you've ever seen. And so, <laughs> here we go. And, 
Yeah, just I, I didn't get it on the first try, and, and I did use uh, straps. And the reason why I used straps on that first one was because I still had to throw, uh, ideally, three to four more games, and my money depended on it. Mm-hmm. And basically being able to pay for my trip depended on it. So I was like, well, look, I, I know I'm strong. I know I got a good grip. I know I got a good hook. But I'm not re- willing to risk losing all the skin on my hand to where I can't throw mm-hmm. and make money to pay for my trip. So I did use straps the first time, but and knew I could do it without. Again, just wasn't going to risk it. But then I went back in 2017 and raw dogged it, and <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. It was fun, and that that first gathering was was pretty magical. It really was. That's too cool you're a part of that because that event has evolved. Well, I don't want to say evolved, but it's become quite a, a really neat thing. And so to be involved in the very first one is just so cool. And I, I would love to uh, to do that someday. Brett Nickel had kindly said that after we had gone that I had an open invitation to go compete there. So, you know, fingers crossed someday that that could work out because it would be amazing. That's a great dude. Is there anybody, I mean – the amount of lifts that guy has of those Denny's is astronomical. It blows my mind what Brett does. And having to run a, a Denny-style event at FitCon what, last week, week before, holy shit, I was exhausted from moving those damn things around. <laughs> he does it every week. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It uh, Yeah, it's funny because when, when the day that we were there, there was four athletes or four individuals that wanted to pick up the Denny's and we're all standing around. We're all nervous as hell, as you can imagine. And then Brett Nickel walks up just smiling and laughing, just so happy and walks right up to him and goes and just just rips them up. No warm up, nothing. And he didn't do it in an arrogant way. He's yeah. the total opposite of that. He just yeah. he's such a nice guy and goes, yeah, this is how you do it, fellas. And you guys will all get it. And he's just such a positive and welcoming welcoming figure involved in such an epic feat of strength. Pretty selfless. Yeah. Going his time. Brett's a great guy. I have a lot of, a lot of respect for Brett and what he does. And just, he, he is strong as hell and a hell of a nice guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that I met that, that first, um, at that first gathering was Mark Haydock too, the, the day before. And good God. I mean, he's probably the greatest Denny lifter of all time. And yeah, super nice guy built for the Denny's more than anybody I've ever seen. Just so strong. Yeah. I actually worked with Mark uh, for a month or two months. It would have been back in 2019. I think he helped me with some programming for a little bit leading up to a competition. And then I got hurt and had to slow things down a bit, but he was such a nice man and just his power is just ridiculous. Some of the, like, yeah. obviously his Denny grip is extraordinary, but he does those wide, like very thick axle pull deadlifts as well. Like, I could be wrong, but I, I believe some of them are maybe even a five-inch axle, and he's doing a, a switch grip on them and, and deadlifting. I don't even want to assign a number to it in case I'm underselling him, but it's an absolute ton. And anyone listening, if you check out Mark Haydock on Instagram, he's just got some just amazing feats of strength. Yeah, he's incredible. I, people have no idea how, how strong that guy is. It is mind-blowing. I don't even know how old he is, but it doesn't really matter at any age. That guy is just amazing. He certainly is. And, and so your entry into historical stones, so it was the Denny stones and then the inverse stone, which is also when people talk about cultural and historically significant stones, the inverse stone is right up there. So for those of the, those who don't know, it's now located outside the Braemar Highland Games Center, but the inverse stone 
was the stone that was that that precipitated the creation of a series of strength of test stones called the McGlashan stones, which evolved into our modern day Atlas stone. So it has a hugely important um, has a hugely important presence in the history of stone lifting and strength sports in general. And you hit one and two as your first two. First two, yeah, it was crazy. Oh. Just just lucky. And at that time, yeah, I knew a, a, of a few of the other ones, but. You know, didn't know locations or anything like that. And I still had to throw quite a few more games. Then I ended up getting hit by a shot put by a junior thrower and ended my whole trip. (laughs) He hit me right in the knee. He was kind of doing some dumb things. And, uh, yeah, I I could hardly walk and could hardly walk for about a month after I got home. But it was a great trip. It really was. I love Scotland so much. That would have predated uh, Stoneland documentary as well. Is that correct? Yeah. That was a lot of people's uh, introduction to the historical stones is, is seeing that. And like, I can speak that way for myself as well, like that. And so for you to be there even before that, before kind of this, this new surge of, of stone lifting, that's pretty cool. Speaking of amazing stone lifting documentaries, Ryan, you're involved in one for the Utah Stones of Strength, which we'll talk a, uh, a bit more about later. But for those of you who haven't already, go watch that. Anyone who's not seen that, the Utah Stones of Strength documentary is on YouTube right now. If you need something to uh, encourage you and uh, inspire you to get off your ass and go lift some stones, put that on. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, Cameron Mayer, who, who made the documentary, he did a tremendous job, and he's a great guy, and we're looking to do some stuff here in the future, too. We, we almost got it done um, at the end of last summer. It's something I've been working on for a very long time. I, I think I'm looking at like five or six years at this point, and uh, even though the work is now done on it, and we just need to make it happen, um, very, I can't give too much information, uh, but very, very, very remote, dangerous location and um, very expensive to get there. But we're trying to make it happen. I think it eventually will happen. It's just there's a lot that goes with it. And so this for everyone listening. So Ryan uh, has done a if you haven't seen the documentary Utah Stones of Strength, like Dale mentioned, it's a documentary uh, that Ryan, about a series of stone lifting tests that Ryan has made around Utah and it's a really, really cool documentary. And what you're talking about, Ryan, is is a second documentary. Am I right there with with a new location? Is that correct? Yeah, it's a historical site, historical uh, stones. And uh, they're very, very, very old. Um, The best we can judge by the people I've talked to is somewhere around 1,400 to 1,500. And, uh, yeah, still exists today, and nobody has lifted them since right around that time, which is pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, we're to make that happen. These are stones in North America that you've discovered? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> we'll leave it there. We yeah, don't want to cry. Spoil anything, but... <laughs> no, okay, man. That's... Well, then maybe on that note, we'll, we'll dive into some historical stones here because we, we had a, a... – a very pertinent question for you. Um, but I just want to do a slight uh, preamble to this because I think most people would agree that it's very, very important to uh, be encouraging and support everybody and never to diminish somebody's efforts regardless. Like it, when it comes to stone lifting, it's not about the biggest stone you can lift. It's about the battle you have with the stone. Now, with that being said, of 
being important not to diminish anyone's efforts, I also feel that most people would agree it's important not to diminish the significance of historical feats of strength. That should come above anyone's opinion. So Fullstricker, that is a title that has, I mean, the documentary is fantastic. Again, if nobody's seen, if anyone listening hasn't seen the documentary by Rogue, it's a great documentary. But in my opinion, having not been involved in this for too, too long, a couple of years now, but Full Circus almost become a brand in itself. Not that anyone owns it, but it's everybody knows that title. But I don't think a lot of people know the actual historical significance of it. I've seen people, you know, talking about having their own personal Full Circus. I've seen people say Full Circus is lifting the Full Circus stone at Dritvik or picking up the Husafel or carrying it in two or three times or one time. So you were one of the most knowledgeable people on many of the stones, but specifically the Icelandic stones. So would you mind? giving everybody uh, a historical synopsis of what Fullstroker means and how exactly you become Fullstroker. Fullstroker has nothing to do with one individual weight. It doesn't have anything to do with that at all. It doesn't have anything to do with Dritvik's weight. Everybody always goes to Dritvik as their go-to of Fullstroker. No. There are full strokers all over that entire damn country that are all different weights, that are all different sizes, um, as well as Husafel walking that all the way around the pen. So, no, you, what you lifted in your garden, in your backyard, I don't care if it's 350, 360, 380, 390, 400 and whatever pounds, that doesn't make you full stroker. Getting your ass on an airplane, flying to Iceland, driving your ass around that country to the full Sturker stones and lifting them, that makes you full Sturker. You don't get to just pull that name out of your ass and say I'm full Sturker because you lifted an Atlas stone in your gym. It doesn't work that way. So yeah, and I, I could take that a little further, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like this is this is going to be a pretty crass sentence, but it's uh, or poorly worded. But you almost got to go to the place to do the thing to get the title, right? You, you haven't yeah. hiked K two, you haven't hiked Everest unless you've not an equivalent height of mountain. It is hiking those specific peaks to get that that title and that honor. So that is exactly right. It, it is that equivalent. If you do not go and you do not touch those stones, you do not lift those stones, and I'm not talking about cracking it an inch from the ground. I'm not talking about doing a half-ass weird little duck waddle three feet around the goat pin. We're not talking about that. I mean, that none of that shit is full sturker. If you lift a full sturker stone, then you are full sturker. Otherwise... You're just lifting a weird atlas stone in your backyard. So, with, <laughs> which is also cool, but it's not oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's what we mean by not yeah. diminishing anybody's efforts. Yeah. But it's just these these titles. Like, for instance, you wouldn't say you'd lifted the Denny stones if you picked up 733 pounds worth of random rocks with rings. You know right. that you have to fly to Scotland. You have to be in front of Brett Nickel. You have to put your hands on those stones. You have to hold it for two seconds and get you know, and then then you've lifted the Denny stones. So. I think that's, yeah, I, I think this is a very good topic to cover. 
So most people, look, outside of uh, us weirdo historic stone guys who do this on a daily basis and spend ridiculous amounts of hours, most people don't even realize <laughs> that there's other stones outside of Usafel and Dritvik. But yeah, there are, there are full Sturker stones around that entire country in multiple places. There are full Sturkers, half Sturkers, Amlodis, you name it. And yeah, you have to lift one of those in order to be considered full Sturker. Yeah, I think it comes down to a respect of the history for the stone, the name, as well as the ceremony around it, right? Like it's, there, there is a significance. I'd imagine that the other, there are all these environmental factors at play. Like you mentioned, like you're flying, you're not sleeping in your own bed, you're eating foreign food, you're driving, you're coming to these stones and it's you against that specific stone, not that specific weight. Correct. In, in, in Sweden, it's it's essentially the same thing, only it's full god drang, uh, in in hell drang, in half drang. It's just different wording, but the same principles apply. But over there, there is very specific numbers attached to those, not all each individual. So, like a full god drang. Granted, it's been a while since I've really looked into this a lot. Um, it's, I believe, a stone that is over, it's like 360 pounds. If you're able to lift that type of stone in Sweden, you are full god drang, which means you are a full farm hand. Um, you have full farm hand strength. Hell drang was a little bit less. I don't remember the number. Half drang was something like, I don't know, 220, 240, something like that. So, yeah, same principles apply, but there's no designated full god drang stone in sweden it's all the stones it's based on but it's based on the weights mm -hmm. iceland is not that way just to touch on sweden real quick now with respect to these titles and those weights was there a specific type of lift that you had to accomplish with that stone for it to count so from best we could understand it actually was only to about waist height. Um, it was not to chest, not to shoulder, not to anything like that. Even like some of the funny little pictures that were drawn back in the days were of waist height. And a lot of it, like once you're there, you understand like it is farmland, but these farms are, 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 built off clearing trees and clearing mm -hmm. rocks in order to make the farmland. So a lot of the lifts are from taking the stone from the ground and placing it on a cut stump. Wow. And that was usually right around waist height. If you could do that, you had the ability to load a stone and clear it from the farmland and then they could use it as a farm. So it all had purpose. It's almost like it was your job interview. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. What a cool concept that is. And, and I guess sort of jumping back to Iceland, then. So, can you sort of give us a bit of an understanding of what the different sturkeredness levels represent when it comes to sort of your place in society or as part of a workforce or how that that fit into history? Yeah, and, and whether it was a farm or whether it was a fishing boat, um, whatever the job required, you know, they would have you lift these stones, and it would represent how much money you made on that farm or on that boat. 
Um, it would even come down to how much ration, how much food they were going to give you. Because a big dude who's big and strong and who's going to do more work with heavy stuff, he needs more food. And so, yeah, if you lift the bigger stone, you get the better job, you get more food, you have a better way of life, which we need that nowadays. <laughs> a meritocracy, that sounds quite novel. Yeah, no <laughs> tight jeans walking around, I'm pretty sure they can't even lift a little Lodi stone and they shouldn't be getting $5 a, a damn paycheck. <laughs> well, okay, so... I, what I think is a good time actually for, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, Ryan, um, what I think is so fascinating about what you do is obviously so far in this discussion, you've displayed your incredible amount of knowledge. But what I think is so cool is how you, outside of all of your strengths you have is, is how you've done so much research and please correct me if I'm wrong, but there are stones in Iceland that you have, you know, almost rediscovered, you've flown there, found where they should be and lifted them for the first time in many hundred years. Can you please correct me if I'm wrong there and maybe explain to everyone listening um, a little bit about that? Cause I think it's so fascinating. Yeah. So between uh, me, uh, Nick Whalen and Sean Urquhart, uh, we've put in a tremendous amount of time going through and finding these stones, finding these historic stones that really were, were going to be lost to time and um, I'm very proud of the fact that we have saved many of these stones and making people aware of them and getting lifts other people to lift these stones keeps this alive it keeps the knowledge alive but more than anything it keeps the earth from swallowing these historic stones and we saw on many occasions, we'd walk up to a set of stones that has not been touched in 400 years. Oh, and it is, they're almost gone. They're almost completely swallowed by the earth. And we have to dig them up. And it is essentially strongman archaeology, mm -hmm. hunting them down, finding them, getting them back where they can be lifted and not be swallowed by the earth. And, uh, you know, continuing this awesome feat of strength that's been around for so long. And, and I, I mean, like Sigurd Stone in Sweden, I mean, I, shit, I found that one the night before we, we drove to that location. Once I was on the ground, I understood things way better and I could understand the locations and how you find them way better and i was just sitting there your, your your central nervous system's so blasted you can't sleep and uh yeah so i'm up finding this damn stone and it ended up being like 20 minutes down the road and we drive over there and this thing was probably three quarters i, I got pictures and I'll, I'll repost them but the stone is about three quarters swallowed by the earth hadn't been touched since something like 1950 and uh, moss all over it. And, yeah, I mean, if we don't go and lift these stones, if we don't track these stones down, there is a certain amount of time in each location where the earth will just take them back in and swallow them up and they're gone. So, yeah, it's, it's super important. I don't think people understand how important it is 
to find all these new stones. So the work that like David Cohen is doing over there in uh, uh, Ireland, and uh, did I say his name right? Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think so yeah. 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 Uh, David, let us know. <laughs> yeah, with him and you, know, you got Jamie Gorian doing a great job over there in like North Europe. And, and like if we don't have these guys in their home countries doing this, and we have a guy now on, on the ground in Sweden doing a tremendous amount of work. And he's taking what, we, what me and Nick did and making it even way better, tracking them down, pinpointing them, getting the history on them and making people aware of them so that they do exist for our kids and the people in the future. Like Ryan, why is this so important to you? Like what drives you to take your time, your money, you know, spend up your mental bandwidth to go and uncover these stones? Like, yeah, really what is getting you up and, and, and getting you across the ocean to go on these treks to find these stones? There's nothing like it. I, I, Oh my God, especially finding new ones that have not been seen or touched in so long. I mean, you walk up and every, every hair on your body is standing up. It is the closest thing to a religious experience I've ever mm -hmm. felt. And, and there's nothing like it. You walk up there and you just start kind of rubbing the stone and just it's incredible the feeling of finding these new ones and there's only one way to get that feeling and that's by finding another stone and you know saving another one one after another after another and um i have backed it down quite a bit to just places that i know that i can go um that it used to be all stones everywhere no matter what and I, I've definitely chopped that down to where just, just places that I'm able to go to. But, man, there's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the feeling. And I'll do it till the day I die and hopefully be like, you know, Peter Martin. You know, I may not be, you know, strong enough to lift some of these when I'm 60, 70 years old. But I can sure as hell track them down and, you know, let people who are much younger than me go lift them and keep it alive. So... In these kind of situations, like how would you, if you've uh, found out about stone, you've kind of researched the area, when you go there, how is it you know that this is the stone that you read about? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there, a, does it tell you an area? Is there a description of the shape and all, all that? How would you, how would you? It's, it's pretty clear. Um, like you walk up and it, like, it's very definitive. Like there, there's things that are just so out of place and you're like, oh, well, that that's obviously it there's yeah whether in how you find each one is very very different each stone is found in a completely different way the methods that we use to find all the stones it, it changes with every single one i mean we have a, a base set of knowledge that helps us get there but when it comes down to it yeah each one is very very different and I think that's what makes it so much fun and such a complicated puzzle is, yeah, all being so very different. But look, so let me give you a, a, a there on the failed ones because we do fail. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see the fun stuff of when we we find them and lift them and it's you know all all fine and dandy. But 
you know, like we were out in the West Fjords there trying to track uh, down the Tokna Fjord stones. And I mean, it was a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. I had massive amounts of plantar fasciitis in both feet. I could hardly walk. I'm living off of ibuprofen. And uh, we're trekking our asses through knee-high wet grass in the West Fjords on you know land that was <laughs> probably off limits but we we found the owners and they were like yeah yeah go right ahead and we walked around this area of this old village that had not been around in hundreds of years but you could see where the boat launches were and what we knew was it was outside of where the kitchen was well how are we supposed to know what the kitchen is in this with <laughs> its ruins and, you know, the first thing I think is, well, you know, most kitchens have like a, a stack, a, a chimney of some sort. And, you know, we go around looking for that. We're looking all over the place and we can't find anything. And it, we spend a tremendous amount of time out there and time and energy and you, you fail and it sucks. But for every one of those, <laughs> you got the awesomeness of Fatgill. Look, if you go to Iceland, go to Thakil. It looks like Pakil has the weird P rune. Right. you got to make it happen. The place is mind-blowing. It's the most beautiful place we've ever lifted a stone in. The stones are massive. They are crazy heavy. How heavy and, are you talking here? Uh, so the full Sturker is over 400 pounds. Okay. There's no doubt. And... Um, yeah, even like the, <laughs> the half stroker was God. That half stroker had to be something like three fifty, and mm. um, again, everything's different. And uh, but yeah, the location—it's like you're on the moon, and it's covered in green moss, and there's nothing like it. The, the drive back there is is pretty extreme. You can't go back there if it's really wet. There's only certain times a year you can get back there. And then, yeah, we're hiking across lava fields and glacier rivers, and we're looking for very unique landmarks that are out there that, you know, Sean on that one did a hell of a job and and really found one of the most solid landmarks. And we come around the corner, and sure as shit, they're right there. And, you know, Sean came around the corner, throws his arms in the air, and we knew. And yeah, it's it's pretty obvious, pretty definitive when you see it, and it's right there next to an old, kind of like sheep herder shack. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's awesome. There's nothing like that feeling. I I can only imagine like any of the stones that Dale and myself have done were were recently in Scotland. But you know, you walk into the area where the Fiona stone is, and like your point about the closest thing to a religious yeah. experience, because I'm not a religious person, but that that feeling there, there's there's almost like a memory in that land and maybe it's the, what, how much we've built it up in our own head. But I do truly feel like there's a feeling when you go there and you touch that stone, people have been doing that for many, many hundreds of years. And it's just a cool thing. So Dave, I, I don't know that there's been very many religious experiences in stone lifting. Like I had when I went to Fianna. So I totally get it. It was the craziest shit ever. I'm driving like a damn rally car through the highlands of Scotland and it, it's raining like hell as I go up 
that that glen and all of a sudden I come up over the, the peak and I look down and the sky completely opens up and there's just one clearing in the sky where the sun's beaming down right on the Fiona stone. Uh, come on. <laughs> oh my God. And I get out, I lift the stone. There is sheep and deer shit everywhere. And yeah. And all of a sudden I get done. I get back in the car and the skies open up again and start pouring rain. But for just that 15, 20 minutes, it was rays of sunlight coming through the clouds right on the Fiona stone. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're there being invited to test yourself. Like yeah. You're, you're being invited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, I mean, to, to circle back on just the time and effort and money you've spent in rediscovering a lot of these stones. I mean, from the rest of us in the stone community, like, thank you. Cause it's, it's incredibly important what you're doing. And to be honest, I mean, there's not a lot of, people that would that would be willing to put themselves through that to rediscover some of this history and make it available for for the rest of us to enjoy should we be so lucky so thank you for that no thank you and i definitely appreciate it and i'll tell you what i take my money you can take all my money i'll spend every last damn dollar doing this yeah. there's nothing like it and nothing will change that there's not any amount of money in the world that i wouldn't spend to go do all this stuff it is the best it's in our limited experience feel pretty pretty similar for sure, and we haven't found a single one. But maybe um, with that, with that, maybe I know we touched on it earlier, and I apologize for bringing it back. But let's Utah Stones of Strength. So we gave people earlier just an idea of what you've done. Um, now we've discussed the historical ones. Can you maybe give everyone an idea of your train of thought when designing these Utah Stones of Strength and what your plan and your vision was for it, and how that actually turned out in comparison to what your goals were. So the, the way that it all evolved was there was a buddy of mine. We used to take uh, the long, well, long five-hour drive from Salt Lake to Vegas for the Vegas Highland Games. We used to talk about, you know, creating our own stones of strength. Uh, yeah, for many, many, many years. And after getting home from Scotland in 2017, after the gathering, and then I ran through and did something like eight or nine stones in a 24-hour period. And uh, so, yeah, I came home and I was like, well, you know, I think it's time to, to kind of get this dream alive and started putting in the work on it. And it really has turned out to be an awesome thing that a lot of people enjoy and I love it. And every time somebody posts them lifting one of the Utah stones of strength, I mean, it's building history and I love every bit of it. And I, I never thought it would become what it has become and how big it's become. Uh, that the fact that we have people traveling from other States, other countries coming in to lift these stones. And it really makes me feel good because I put a lot of work into it and uh, you know, very beautiful locations, very beautiful stones, and yeah, it's been great. And it, it seems like everybody gets a, a pretty good family experience out of it too, which makes me feel good because the time I got to spend with my kids, putting it all together, they were with me every weekend finding these stones. You know, we, they call my wife and she's like, what are you guys doing? 
They're like, well, we're going stone hunting again. And for them, it was just everyday life, and they they loved it. They got to go play and have fun and watch Dad do stupid things. And, and uh, but yeah, seeing these other people bring their kids and their, their wife and their family out to watch them lift the stone and have them all be a part of it, it's been pretty special, and I really love it. Was there a small select group of people that were stonelifting enthusiasts in Utah prior to the creation of the Utah Stones of Strength, or did that community really develop after those feats of strength were established? I would say it developed after. There was a few of us, maybe like maybe two or three, that really knew, I guess, what we were doing and, and what the experience was going to be. Um, being that I'm a psychopath when it comes to this stuff and I, this all I can think of, uh, called passionate. Yeah. That's probably a, <laughs> a fair word. Yeah. It's it, man, it, it stone lifting turns you into a weird person and you love weird things, but it, it's all awesome and it's all, it's all good. But, um, yeah, you know, it just, uh, evolved out of like two or three of us and, you know, I, I put in a tremendous amount of work, but it, it worked out well. We, locations are beautiful, stones are beautiful, and and uh, they got God. I, before Facebook kind of screwed everything up on the Utah Stones of Strength fo- Facebook page, which it's still up, but uh, it's just harder to navigate now. But there was something like 250, 300 uh, successful lifts at that time. Um, wow. And they were all individual lifts. I, I wouldn't take anything that was a double. And I would uh, take the picture and post all the pictures of the people doing it. And yeah, it's it's been great. That's that's awesome, man. And like, again, I, I touched on it prior, but just that was such a huge influence for what we're doing locally. And obviously yours are around the state and ours are kind of in one area, but it, it's still more about, at least the way that I look at what we've done so far about bringing the community together, creating new lifters in that community. And like we had one, one fellow that came on Saturday, we had a, a little session there and he just looked around and there's stones everywhere. He's like, this is so cool. And he lives in St. Albert, which is basically an outskirt of Edmonton. And so it's probably 30, 35 minutes to get to where the stones are for him. And he goes, I'm just going to come here with my kids and let the kids run around. And, and that's what my little guys were doing. We're lifting stones. I made my guys little, wood swords and they're being kids in the bush beating on trees and stuff with their little swords and we're lifting and there's a community building out of it and it's about bringing stone lifting exposure as well so it's just uh tip my hat to you because you you've kind of put that on the map of a lot of people that we can we can do this and build our own thing moving forward so i think it's it's really cool well i'm glad and and i love seeing it i like when sean did his ohio sons of strength and i know you know that hasn't had a lot of lifts and I don't know why. Maybe people just there aren't as into it. Uh, I think we are very fortunate, uh, me and you guys, to have absolutely beautiful locations. And there's not so much beautiful locations in Ohio, so I get it. (laughs) uh, Yeah, we're super fortunate to where these are places that people would want to go, even if there wasn't an awesome lifting stone there. And and uh yeah so it's it works out really well so i I think i mean what is your ultimate goal then with utah stones of strength you're going to keep adding stones 
or where do you want to take it from here? Um, the last stones that I put in were the Escalante, the Hogsback stones, which, oh my God. God, I would love to have you guys here and take you down there. It would blow your mind. It is. Someday, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That location is so awesome. The stones are awesome. Everything about that area. It, and I'd always kind of had it in my mind to put one of them down there because I'd go down there with my family and, and we'd camp and and do all, all these awesome hikes. And uh Every time we drive through that area, it is a stone lifter's paradise. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to put one down here. And that was the last extension and will probably be – that'll be it. I, I don't think I'll add any more. Um, I mean, shit, I would say the way that we're stacked right now, there's enough stones. that I mean, it's when I say it's the equivalent to Scotland – it's not Scotland. There's not an equivalent to to Scotland, but the the distances between the stones, the fact that it's going to take you more than one day, it's going to take long treks. I mean, it gives you that feel as if you were in a Sweden, if you were in a Scotland, Iceland's a whole different animal. There's a lot of driving there that is pretty extreme between stones, but yeah, it gives you that experience without having to drop thousands and thousands of dollars and yeah it's something you get to do with your family it's it's pretty awesome but i I probably will not put in anymore it's it's probably i feel like it's done and it's good the way it is it gets enough lifts and enough attention the way that it is i don't feel like i need to add more more isn't always better stone a special location if all of a sudden i see something that has to be put in that's what it would take. Yeah. More isn't always better. And it seems like you guys sort of run the gamut of the different styles of stone lifts you can do, right? Like you have the, the carries, you have the have lifts, you have the stone to plinth equivalents. Like you guys kind of have it all there. So. Yeah. 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 And it's crazy. The amount of lifts that like Chinese arch gets where you have to walk the 240 pound stone up through the arch and back 152 feet that gets more lifts than probably any of them, which blows my mind because it's miserable. <laughs> but there's a lot of people out there lifting that stone and giving it hell. And we even had our first female uh, be a, a successful lifter not too long ago too, which is just awesome. Wow. And Matt, speaking of that, a little off subject here, so I'm sorry, but you guys have a yeah. hell of a woman lifter I knew exactly what you were going to yeah. say. I knew That's exactly Sarah. where you were going with She's that. She's so strong. Oh, my God, dude. I saw her videos. I was like, is this for real? Holy shit. Yeah. And I don't know if we have any videos of her carries. Like, she is a rucking machine. And so her picks are extraordinary, as you've seen. But her ability to actually move that weight is is she's very very strong she's so we hope strong. to actually have her on one of these days oh um she's a, just a powerful athlete and a very very good person oh my god man awesome so when you see her tell her i give her all the thumbs up i her lifts blow my mind she'll, she'll be hearing this awesome. yeah she'll be hearing this yeah good well, deal. well maybe um now's a good so at the end of the episode we want to do something called the gauntlet which is a bunch of rapid fire questions but just really quickly before we get to that i i want to pick your brain on something um, it's very difficult to explain to people the difference almost between stone lifting strength and barbell strength. And you are very, very well versed in both of those. And I, I personally feel 
um, that stone lifting is just a completely different animal. And I don't know if you do feel that way, but if you do, could you maybe try and explain to those out there who maybe haven't tried stone lifting or haven't done a bunch of barbell work, kind of the variation between those two and how they're not really that closely related? You know, I've seen guys who are tremendous, tremendously strong on a barbell. I've seen them be awful on a stone. I've seen guys who are not so great with weights be really good with stones. It, it really varies from person to person. And I, I feel like it's actually more mentality. It's not so much strength level. When you have the ability to turn your brain off and just think destroy on these stones that works really well whereas if you're one of these guys with a massive deadlift and you come up and and the second i see them start kind of fiddling and touching and rocking and moving the stone it's done i know they're done it's over before it's even started because if they're tentative it's over you have to go in with the mentality of just completely plow this stone or it's not going to move. Yeah, there can't be any question in your mind. You were going to say something, Bill? So we tried to explain the difference between barbell sports and stone lifting last, uh, last episode. And we had a gentleman whose uh, Instagram handle is Pegas Son of Jewels who reached out to us. Um, and we, we were chatting a bit and one of the things he touched on and he articulated beautifully was about the difference that he has experienced between barbell sports and stone lifting. And so he was saying the puzzle in the deep time aspect of stones demands humility and patience. That isn't when, or that isn't there when the goal is all about the numbers, which is one way to look at it, right? Someone like me who hasn't, doesn't have a, an experience uh, barbell lifting, right? I'm not going in there. I, I really don't know what to expect and how much I'm going to lift. So I'm going in there. I'm trying to figure it out. If I can't lift it this way, let me try it this way, try it this way. But your angle being someone who has a serious strength background, who's incredibly strong is just get in there and, and go, <laughs> go for the throat. Yeah. Go for the throat. Like, yeah. and I, that's the first thing I tell anybody who's coming to lift the stones for the first time at our gym, which we've got a man, serious amount of awesome stones. And first thing I tell them is do not be tentative. Mm-hmm. It is zero or 100. There is no in between. Yeah. And that's what I think is interesting about it as well is so you know this Ryan, but last year there we have a stone called the Devil's Potato and it's 408 pounds and the handles suck on it. It's a big stone. And I wrestled with that all last summer and was fortunate to get it at the end of summer. But those first battles for me, it was max effort. And it was some of those wrestles were about 40 seconds before I failed. Now, if you were to try and replicate that with a barbell, even take 75% of your max deadlift or max squat or max anything and try and make that lift be 40 seconds, it's going to destroy you. It's a whole different animal because it's your whole body and your shifting weight and there's Mm -hmm. just something really unique. And I I just personally feel there's a different level of grit to, to going max for 40 seconds with a giant object like that. I just, I don't know. There's, there's just something very different about it. There's nothing like it. You're exactly right, Dave. It's, there's nothing that can replicate it in the gym at all. You're either lifting stones or you're not. And yeah, 40, 40 seconds to a minute of time under tension is normal for us stone, stone lifting guys. And 
yeah, for everybody else, I mean, they're puking their guts out. And now that I've started the Basque lifting and been doing that for about a year, that takes the 40 seconds and makes it five and sometimes 10. And then me being stupid, 30 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <he> did. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, did you, real quick, before we get in the gauntlet, can you just tell people what that wild feat of strength you did? Just, I believe it was last month. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was what in the uh, I was in March sometime, middle of March, and there's a, a feat that these guys would do because all basque lifting started as battles. One guy basically saying, "I'm a better stone lifter than you," and the other guy saying, "Fuck you, no, you're not." And, and uh, they would pick a, a stone, basically a shape. They would pick a time. Uh, and they, yeah, a, a weight, and, and they would battle. And it, what it is is it's three 10-minute sessions, and you only get between 10 and 12 minutes between each one. So 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off. 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off. Yeah, so three 10-minute sessions is what you're looking at. And I was able to hit I – w- I was shooting for about 130 reps with a 220-pound natural stone. Uh, I ended up hitting, I think it was 112. God, I, yeah, that shows what it did to my brain. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I, oh, man, it was so difficult. And uh, But glad I did it, and I'll do it again next year. Uh, whether or not I use the same stone or a different one, I'm not real sure. But, yeah, these guys have hit upwards of 150 160 170 reps sometimes That's and uh, granted a lot of that was with a cylinder cylinders are a little different a little easier when it comes to that but i figure doing it with a natural stone is something different something true to yeah. your nature too yeah, in your history it's what i do it's not what they do but still holding true to their time increments and trying to smash an enormous number and yeah, I did about 112 reps in the, the three 10-minute increments. Oh, my God. For anyone who, who is unfamiliar with basque lifting, any, I mean, even just if you want to get further sort of engrossed in stone lifting culture in general by way of a visual spectacle is look up the Rogue uh, documentaries they have on stone lifting. So they have the full stricker documentary about Iceland. They have Stoneland about Scotland and Levantadores touches in on the Basque stone lifting culture, which is an incredible, incredible, incredible documentary. It's fantastic. Is that your, was that your first introduction to the Basque stone lifting style? Um, no, I had actually been pretty aware of it long before. I, I just, that was kind of what set me in that direction a little bit more. Um, I, I had things in my head that I had believed about Basque lifting at the time that were completely wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. And now that I've been in it, deep in it for a year, and we'll be going to Spain in August to compete, um, I'll be going the first non-Basque, non-Spanish person to ever be invited to lift with them at Eagle Doco. And um, it's a tremendous honor and I couldn't be hap- more happy about it. And I'm training hard for it. Um, hopefully I will do well. 
we will see, but I'll be lifting against the best stone lifters in the entire world. And it's going to be quite the challenge. Well, you've earned your spot there, Ryan, that's for sure. Want to lead into the gauntlet here? Yeah, so now we're going to try them out that we're going to call the gauntlet. We're going to hit you with a bunch of rapid-fire questions and just give us right off the top of your head um, your unadulterated uh, answer. So first one, and this is one that I'm very interested in because I have seen your responses online, but I think it would behoove us to equip the stonelifting community with the same information. So if someone sees one of your posts and responds telling you about how that was an impressive lift, but now you're going to have a screwed up back for the rest of your life. Whoa. Equip us all <laughs> with a quick spiel on that we can essentially just repurpose and repost every time we get one of these because it is, it is without question going to come up every video. Like, oh, great lift. Now you have hemorrhoids. Like, it, so <laughs> please. <laughs> Well, usually my reply to that is playing Dungeons and Dragons in your mama's basement is usually bad for your back also. So I'd rather <laughs> do what I'm doing than what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. That's fair. Um, so uh, how long of a mustache is too long? And have you noticed <laughs> a proportionate increase in strength along with your increase in stash length? <laughs> <laughs> that was Dale's brainchild, but it's it's a good there, there is no set length to how how big a mustache can be. <laughs> I'm pushing the limits as we speak, and uh, you know it, it, it all started off. I watch I watch a tremendous amount of westerns uh, with my daughter, and we go through and we watch every old western known to man, as I did with my dad and with my grandfather. So it's kind of a family thing. Yeah. And um, so I had a giant full beard and my daughter is watching a Western with me and she says, you know what? You should probably just shave that into a big mustache. And I laughed and I actually just did it for her and I was only going to keep it for like a week or two. And then I was like, man, I really like this. This is cool. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, and good for stone lifting strength, not good for eating soup. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I really just did it for my daughter and ended up really liking it. And I just keep it to freak people out. That's about it. <laughs> a good mustache. Keep it alive, man. <laughs> so out of all the feats of strength you've done, which one are you most proud of? Oh, man. That's a tough one. So actually, it's not one individual lift. Um it was the quantity and the volume that we put in in that last Iceland trip with 31 stones in a week. Ooh. And it was, man, that was a lot of stones. So I, if you, you want to see how fucking miserable I am, at my very last lift of the entire trip was there at the Air Bear Stones that me and Nick discovered in my first Iceland trip and uh, which is a whole awesome story in itself. But um, so at the very end, I left the big 669 pounder with the big handle to finish it off. Oh man. And I lifted, I'm destroyed, absolutely destroyed. My buddy Mark Prowse is just laughing at me. He's like, man, you are wrecked. I'm like, I don't feel good. I'm uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I don't know what to do. I just feel awful. And, uh, you know, credit to Sean. He's much younger. He's like, ah, I, I could probably lift more stones. I'm like, oh, fuck off, Sean. Jeez. <laughs> he is an animal, that guy. Yeah. So, so I go and I get squat wraps, knee wraps from the car, and I have to wrap both groins to keep them from blowing out. But look, I, I'm all in, and if I rip something off on Stone Tour, uh, I'm okay with it. As weird as that sounds, it's, it's like for yeah, it's part of the deal. And if I blow a bicep, if I rip my groin off, tear a hamstring off the bone, that, that's that's just part of the game. I don't fucking care. And um, so, but I, I wrap my groin up as tight as I could, and basically I had one last lift, and I'm like, I'm just going to give this my all. And and I actually got a better lift than I did the first time on those stones, uh, the first, first Iceland trip, and it went really well. But, man, it is just – it's the quantity, the 31 short period of time circling the entire country. And uh, yeah, I, I'm probably most proud of that. Yeah, that's that's an unbelievable that's amount of. You went for the throat, right? Like yeah. you said. Yeah, I went for, the, went for the throat, and I, mean, I feel like we do that almost every time we go. And, and I mean, Sweden was a whole different animal, and we all got really, really sick when we got home from Sweden. We were in a really bad spot. Klaus was in the emergency room. His doctors don't know what's wrong with him. I'm like, well, did you tell him what you did? They still wouldn't understand. Though. Yeah, they yeah. would not. You yeah. can't, they don't can't understand, and they don't understand what you put your body through and how your central nervous system. And you're you're just not supposed to be doing that stuff. And but we we got really, really, really sick. Probably the most sick I've ever been is when I got back from Sweden. Yeah. My body just completely shut down. But yeah, it's. It's rough. I'm, I'm proud of all that stuff. Yeah, no that kidding. Is, that is awesome. So, so right. I think I have a. I think we know the answer to this. Anyone that follows you on Instagram, but what what is your current favorite stone lifting technique and the style that you're focused on working on the most right now? Uh, so the Basque stuff is what I'm focusing on the most right now, being that I have to go compete over there. Granted, it is with a natural stone. It's not a cut stone that I'll be competing with. Um, but. The different shapes and the different shapes help help me tremendously, even with natural stones. Um, you view stones in a completely different way. Uh, it's it's crazy. Just when I thought I was as deep as I could get into this crazy world of stone lifting and historic stone lifting, I go and find another Mariana's trench of information and and. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, that said, is not changed anything as far as historic stones and going to do those. It just just gave me a slight break, and I get to lift one historic stone for five minutes for as many reps to the shoulder as I can. And that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy about that. Awesome. What would you call, or what would you what would you say is your most memorable stone lift ever? Oh, wow. God. Oh, so many. Uh, so, so lift. So I, I put that in into a different category. Like my favorite stone ever is Legstein. It is, God, it couldn't be more beautiful. The, the place where it sits is awesome. 
um, it's hard. It's really hard, man. There's a reason why nobody goes to do that stone. And there's a reason why so many people fail. Don't get it around the farmer's grave. Legstein is a hard son of a bitch of a stone, but it is my absolute favorite. And there's just something about that stone that landed in my wheelhouse, even though it was near the end of the trip. And doing Legstein and seeing that it, how hard it is for other people, I, I'm very proud of that one. And it's, it's probably my favorite lift. For those who don't know, given the sort of haunting context associated with making the rounds with the stone, so it's an old farmer and he made a deal with the devil and the stone has to pass around his grave. Uh, what is it? I think it's a hundred times. And uh, in order to release his body or release his soul to heaven. And I think me and Nick were like 44 and 45, something around there. And uh yeah, I mean, extremely difficult. It's a 485-pound stone, and you're bear-hugging it, lifting it up, and walking it around this grave, which is another gigantic stone. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is so amazing. Location is amazing. The West Fjords, like, if you've been to Iceland and you haven't been to the West Fjords, you actually have not been to Iceland in my eyes. The West Fjords is what it's all about especially if you're a historic stone lifter, you got to go. It is mind-blowing. Awesome. Um, So maybe we'll finish off with what I feel is one of the most important uh, questions or topics. Would you rather fight two geese or five raccoon? Oh, let's see. Geese are fucking assholes. <laughs> they, my grandfather's farm when I was a kid, he, he had two geese, Tawny and Tolly, and they used to bite me and torment me on a regular basis. So I'll take the raccoons. I was like four years old, and I still remember that. Yeah, we, we got them everywhere up here. They are assholes. But um, the, re- the real last question, and, and I've been quite outspoken on this myself, and I know you feel the same way, and I feel everyone should, but why is it important for everybody to treat historical stones with respect, not drop them or slam them or just disrespect them? And I know you use tacky. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs to approach the stones in this way. They, they should be in a museum, and we're lucky that they are not. And so they need to be treated as such, like they are a museum piece. Now, that said, look, it's hard. And I, I, I leave it up to the discretion. I am not a Nazi on this. I leave it to the discretion of the lifter himself. And if he feels like the situation allows for a different type of set down due to the softness of the ground i would love to be able to lift every stone the way that james graham does um i i think it really varies from person to person it varies from stone to stone it varies from place to place the way that that martin jancis lifted strathmore of derness the other day was perfect and i think it's what we should all strive for but I will say, for the guys that are shouldering stones, it, it's it's hard, man. It, it, it's hard to put it down and put it down right. And 
I almost feel like the way the guys are bringing crash pads, that, that should be a regular thing. Bring mm-hmm. crash pads, and does it look as pretty on camera? No. But you're saving the stone. So if you're going to shoulder stuff, I mean, try to make that happen. If you can't do that, if you're on stone tour and it doesn't allow for that, just just be as safe as you can, and each stone's going to be different. I Look, when I first started, I didn't have a full understanding and a full grasp of how these stones should be put down, and I'm not proud of some of my early lifts, and I feel like they're almost downright embarrassing. And... Um, but th- that's how we all start, and it's our job, me, Dave, Sean, wh- I mean, whoever. Uh, it's our job to help teach how important these stones are and how careful you need to be. But every situation is very different. I, I really try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And if they see the situation as a soft ground, a soft sand landing or I mean, real squishy. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It's okay, and uh, I'm not trying to be hard on people. But then it's the ones that are just blatant assholes about it that I can't stand, and they can go mm-hmm. straight to hell. I can't stand any of those guys. They know who they yeah. are. There's ways to like we we flew from Canada to Scotland, which is a very long way, and only carry-ons. And I brought two towels in exchange of I could have had clothes or anything, and so we had those there not only to dry the stones off, but also as a landing, should we need them? Does like the, these accommodations can be made, right? Yeah. So if the place that the stone is sitting does not seem ideal for you to lift it, if you think it's going to push you to your absolute physical limits, see if you can shift it over somewhere else, like assess the environment around you, find the best spot to lift that stone within proximity to where it's resting place is. And just, and you know, like you said, do, do the best you can. Yeah, look, I about tore my knee off in Iceland lifting Klofi the first time because it was sideways rain, 35 degrees, freezing cold. And look, that plinth, even though it's not very high, if I slam that stone onto that plinth, something is going to break. And I chose to potentially lose my fucking knee versus break a historic stone that is as historic as Klofi. So I... Yeah, you, you just got to make the right decision. Just make the wise decision. And it's going to be different for everybody. For yeah. sure. Well said. Ryan, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's turn it over to you for the last word. Like any exciting news, any interesting things happening on your uh, your side of the world as it pertains to stone lifting? Um, so I'm going to continue hunting down, tracking down historic stones. Um you know, some days I do want the volume of another big stone tour. I, I love the grind. I love the pain. I love the suffering of those stone tours. Um, we, we do have a, me and my buddy Mark Prouse, we have a pretty good idea of how to make it even more miserable <laughs> and worse. <laughs> but I'm in. Uh, but, you know, now it, it's a lot of it is certain challenges on certain stones, historic stones. Um, there's a stone that I can't really say that I discovered, but just became aware of. And I guess I may have been the first one of the historic stone lifting world to find um, is called the stone of the brave in the Canary islands. 
and the Canary Islands are off the coast of Africa, but it's actually owned by Spain. It's Spanish-speaking. And the Guanches were a Aboriginal people that were there before the Spaniards ever came through and discovered, before Christopher Columbus. And they did historic stone lifting, or they did stone lifting, let me put it that way. And uh, when the Spaniards came in, they you know, changed the way that the lift was a little bit. And they continued the tradition. And the Stone of the Brave, it's a pretty good hike to get to. It's uh, near Tenerife. And uh, it's a good hike. You get up there. It's a beautiful stone. Uh, has a little cross engraved on it. How long that's been there, I don't know. Um, it's really hard to tell. Um but the challenge is a 330-pound stone, and it is to be put not just to the shoulder, but behind oh, the neck, wow. and then brought back down. So not only is it heavy to get to the shoulder and to, to start with, but to have to put it back there and uh, do it in that form, that fashion, is going to be very hard. And that floats my boat, but I, you know, I don't know that I'll ever be able to get out there. Um, I hope yeah. you never know. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, when I say quality, the challenge of a lift, that's what I referred what I'm referring to is kind of a challenge like that, where it's not an entire country full of stones, but one set challenge. Now that said, the Guanches had many, many, many stones. And this looks to be the only one that has survived all the volcanic explosions and, well, technology and mm -hmm. people. Humans are, a lot of these stones, worst yeah. enemies. And, uh, you know, obviously minus us. But, yeah, wow. that is fascinating. Yeah, so, that is where very, are we very going? Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> and what a crazy challenge. I actually find that really fascinating, like the very the specificity of that that particular challenge. I like that with a lot of stones where it's it's you need to do that exact thing with that exact stone. Yeah, it's crazy in the fact that it had so much information and I was I was actually I had caught onto a stone that was potentially in Mexico. And so I was researching the Spanish end of things and kind of stumbled across the Stone of the Brave. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a crazy challenge. And there's actually, there's, there's a, I guess, a reporter over there in the Canary area that has done a lot of research and a lot of work on it. So, yeah, the, 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 that's where all this information kind of comes well, from. Well, that's very, very, Amazing. very cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, to wrap things up here, Ryan, first of all, thank you so much for yeah. your time and, and everything. And we hope we can have you on again. But where's the best place for people to find you, your information, or to follow you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my stone lifting time. Uh, that's, uh, Stu Squatch on Instagram. Um, uh, my gym is Black Flag Strength and Fitness. Um, we've been open, I've owned that, uh, for about seven years on June 2nd. And, uh, we do have a Instagram page for it also. And then Facebook, which I don't spend a whole lot of time on, but mostly family stuff. And I am on that, but yeah, I would say probably... The Instagram is 
probably the best place to find the stuff. Well, I mean, a resounding thank you from the Stone Lifted community for all the contributions you've made to Stones, historical stones as they stand now, as well as these new feats of strength that you've developed in Utah, because it's people like you that are catalysts for different groups popping up. David has said of you as being, you know, the inspiration for starting the Edmonton Stones of Strength. So I would not be lifting stones had you not started the Utah Stones of Strength. So thank you from me to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. And if it's just even just one person, it makes it worth it. So thank you. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for everything. We'll chat soon, man. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be so kind as to leave the show a review and then follow us over on Instagram at stonesofstrength underscore podcast. Mm -hmm.